what's your favorite song that you've written that then do you have one do you are they like your babies where they're all your favorite or do you, do you actually have a favorite i i think this new album well newest album uh the midnight believer record has a couple of things on it that i'm really proud of one song called sunny days that just is as good a song as i've ever written now that one was inspired that was that was a god deal i mean really i was sitting there and the whole the the thing came to me all really in one fell swoop i had uh greg barnhill with me and he was he was he was being touched at the same time, and it was a spiritual experience. In that song, I have watched grown men, which you don't see often, cry or get up and walk out of the room. And it's not a sad song; it's a hopeful song. But you know, it pulls on the heart, and that's why I know that it was a God name. You know that it was the the great the great writer that 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 propels us all as as listeners. And as as participants in the creative process too, um, I love that one. I, some songs of my favorites in my career that I've recorded. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, some of them I didn't write, like "Love Without Mercy," for instance. That was a Mike Reed, Dom Tremor song. So, and I've had the same experience with that, even though I wasn't a writer. I believed in that song. The label didn't want me to do it, and I had to got another song I was not crazy about in order to get that one on there and I'm so glad I fought for that thing because Love of That Mercy is in my mind has been the pinnacle of that period of my career. I mean it, it told everybody exactly who I was. And you know, I, I'm really happy I fought for that. <laughs> I'm really happy I fought for that song. Yeah, I am too. And it's it's interesting that the games you kind of have to play, those political games you have to play to to get you what you want and, and and get the song out there that you wanted. You had to cut a song that you didn't necessarily like. Oh, it happened on every album. Yeah, and it was always one. Uh, and one incidentally that that uh, later I just talked to a gentleman about this uh, today. Uh, a song that was number went to number one, but I never really liked it. So I was so obstinate and hard headed that I, I I would not play it live, which didn't win me any favors <laughs> with a record label. <laughs> I'm not as hard headed as I used to be. Some people might argue with me on that. <laughs> um, but but uh, that yeah, there was always some. I think with with any time you marry uh, art and commerce, do you have you're inviting? you're inviting some heartache in there because, you know, art should live on its own. When you think about Van Gogh, he never sold a painting. Not one, mind you. Not one. It was only after his death and his brother took his his, his works and, and he did pretty well with them, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> but he did what he did despite the odds. Despite he, you know, oftentimes he'd have to paint over canvases just to keep painting. And that's the kind of artist I always wanted to be. Uh, it didn't win me any favors uh, financially because I could have played it a lot safer. I could have been more conservative, but it never interested me. And today, looking back on the work that I've done and the work that lies ahead, um, I wouldn't change a thing. I really wouldn't because I can sleep at night 
if my number got called up today, I could go on to my maker knowing I did the best I could with what I had. Now i got to ask you what song it was that you didn't want to play. <laughs> it was a song called Little Bit of You. Okay, yep. And that song went to number one on one of the charts. can't remember which, but um, and there's nothing wrong with the song. It was a solid hit. There's no question about it. It was a hit, and I think it would have been a hit for anybody. And they were right to want that song recorded, see? They were right. It just didn't, wasn't right for me. But, you know, the same could, would be said of, uh, you know, Love Without Mercy, Heart's Desire. They did not want me to do that. Hmm. But I had written that song, and the minute I wrote it, uh, wrote it with my friend Chris Moore, uh, we wrote that song in about 20 minutes, sitting on the front porch watching our little girls play in the front yard. And that's what we were talking about, was our little girls, see? So it was coming from a real pure place. Wow. And that, I'm telling you, it gets, it, it crosses, it crosses into the folks who are listening to it. They realize it's an earnest and honest attempt at expressing the human emotion. And, uh, it, you know, it continues to be our, we close every show with Heart's Desire, and everybody knows it. <laughs> <laughs> so you co-wrote Heart's Desire, and you also co-wrote Tender Moment. That was with Chris Moore and Roy Burke, the great Roy Burke. Hey, did you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world, Roy Burke? That guy. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Very cool. And that's one of my favorite songs, too. I, I really like that one, and I just kind of wanted to hear kind of what went into that. I remember I remember those days that we spent on that 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 was sort of, that was an interesting thing because we had three writers and, and any more that's <clears throat> that's not that unusual. I mean, it looks like a law firm when you look at the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Buck always used to tell me. He says, "You ain't writing like them law firm writers." I said, "What do you mean law firm?" <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, though. <laughs> I mean, how many does it take, right? Right, <laughs> but. Um, we were friends, you know, buddies, and I'd been writing with Chris, and Chris had been writing with Rory, and and I'd been writing with Rory, so it just happened to, I think we had a collision, really, on our calendars, and so we ended up in this, all in the same room, and so, okay, let's give it a try, you know, seemed like a lot of people, but okay, let's give it a shot, and we, we did, we, we spent about, I don't know, four or five days on that song, um, and get, when you've got writers of that of that uh, uh, magnitude, uh, you've got three minds understanding. You got to cut out every single word that not is not holding water. Doesn't have heft. Doesn't doesn't carry its own weight. Get rid of it mm-hmm. and uh, be succinct and uh, get to the point. And the point was, it was a the kind of song that men have come to, up to me throughout the years since that song's come out and said, man, thanks for that song because I didn't know how to tell my wife how I felt about her, but that kind of helped me do it. And it's interesting how songs have a life of their own once they leave us. I mean, we just, we just, we're just there at the birth and then they go on to live their own lives, you know, kind of like our kids, really. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's really interesting how, how a man can just put a song on for his wife and say, hey, listen to this. This is kind of how I feel. 
that way, I guess we don't have to vocalize it. You know what I mean? Like we use you to kind of help us through. (laughs) Well, I'm sure, I'm sure. And, you know, I've, I've certainly had that experience in my life. It's funny. After Lisa and I got close and, and, um, that's my sweetheart. And, uh, Every song that I always held dear meant something entirely different after she and I were together. I mean, I'd never been, I'd never felt love for anyone the way I felt love for Lisa. And, And I think that was another indication for me as a writer, the way those men that were putting on Love Without Mercy or putting on, uh, tender moment or any of these songs that helped them express the way they felt because I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest sap of all, you know, I mean, I cried card tricks, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's bad around here, you know, <laughs> Christmas time, I won't even turn on the TV, can't do it, <laughs> but uh, the, I think that's a tool that, that, that uh, we've always used. Uh, that art has done of any kind is to be able to express how we're feeling better than we can with our own words. Now, going back to what kind of fool do you think I am? You you didn't write that one, no. But it was your breakthrough single. Personally, it's my favorite song of yours. Where does it rank on your end? Well, it didn't sell as many records as some of them did, but okay. but but it but it, it was chart wise. It was the first thing that we had that really hit pay dirt, okay. and it really kind of got us off. I'll tell you what it did. It got us going from $750 a night to $7,500 a night. That's what it did. There you go. <laughs> so I could afford to pay my people what they were worth then, you know. Yeah. Uh, we've been struggling for so many years, and uh, it was like magic, man. It was like uh, one day we were playing a funky little bar down the street in Fort Worth, <clears throat> and then we were at Billy Bob's, and the place was packed. It was like overnight and what did i change nothing nothing but that record changed it for me you see did you know when you recorded it that it might be that type of record or not no i did not yeah um that was written by a couple of guys from detroit believe it or not really uh yeah but these guys had never had a country record before they were not country writers they were detroit rock and roll guys Hmm. and they had took a shot at this idea that they had and they demoed this thing kind of country and it it got through the it got through the the channels at the record company and the record company said you know this song sounds like maybe it could be for you i heard it and i went hmm well let's demo it and see if it's going to work and i it wasn't anything like that when we got it it was uh the way it we did it was totally different. We we did it was my way, and we put slide guitar intro and a slide solo and kind of figured out a way. It was more country by the time we were done with it, uh, if, if it was indeed country at all. But um, that was a uh, I guess it was country enough to be the record that it was, you know. And those are gifts, man. Those are gifts. So it's funny when I would go play Pine Knob up in Detroit. They would always go, I love the way you say Detroit. I said, how do I say it? They say Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the South, man. (laughs) That's like Missouri and Missouri around here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which which one is it? Which one is it, Glenn? Well, I say Missouri, 
But it's about split halfway down the state, I'd say. I see. Yeah. So which side of the state says Missouri? Well, really, it's kind of a mix, but probably more southern. I see. That being said, you know, we're in the southern part of the state, but I've always said Missouri, but then half my family says Missouri. I see. Yeah. Yes, you definitely are in the southern part, buddy. Right there on the river. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a mighty that's a mighty river you're on there, buddy. We respect that river too. You <laughs> better. You better. That's one of the first things you learn. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. But there's something about being on a river. And you look at all the great music towns in this in in our world, and <laughs> you will see that every single one of them is positioned on a river. Yeah. Or a body of water. I, I don't think you can have that kind of energy without having being close. To, think about it. Austin is on the is on the river. New Orleans, Memphis, you know, they're on rivers. You know, uh, New York has the the rivers and the and and the, and the ocean. And L.A. of course has the ocean. But just it seems like I was talking to another guy, another writer the other day. He says, you know, I got he had. He was raised in a, he was very, very successful. Uh, very, very successful. Uh, Carl Woodland is his name, and he, he, uh, has, he's produced or, you, you know, the, the Hans Zimmer, the guy that does all the movies, uh, mm-hmm. this guy's <clears throat> conducted or been music director on 700 or more movies. Yeah. And, uh, they're moving here from Los Angeles because they don't have a river. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the L.A. River is just a ditch, if you know. Yeah. If you spend any time out there. So he left just because of that. You know? Just so for the river. You've got that part out if you want to. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I go on about nothing sometimes <laughs> for long periods of time. Hey, no, you said we're going to have a conversation, and we're having a conversation. That's that's how conversations go, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. No problem. No problem at all. And, and I like hearing about this kind of stuff. It interests me. So.